Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our Astros A's postgame show, game two of this division series. And joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie, longtime journalist Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, after going two games under 500 for the season, the Astros are 4-0 and in the playoffs and one game away from the ALCS. What do you know? Who would have thunk it? And oh, by the way, Robert, they just released new standings for the AFC South and the Astros have a four game lead over the Texans. Oh, no. So there you go. How about that? Oh, Romeo Cornell's got some work to do. Then. <laughs> yeah, he's got some he got some real work to do when a baseball team is, is leading you. The Connecticut crush, George Springer. Oh, my goodness. Two more home runs, 17 postseason bombs in his career. Somewhere George's agent, Stephen, he's popping champagne in his living room. Oh, my God. Well, I have to tell you, you know, sorry to break it to you, Astros, but uh, George Springer just commanded Garrett Cole money. Sorry to have to tell you that. Oh, and by the way, I, I know I like the Connecticut crush, but we could also change his name to Babe Springer because he has surpassed Babe Ruth all time in postseason home runs. How about that? Yeah, that's not fair. I mean, Babe... Didn't get to play in 16-round playoffs, 16-team playoffs. This is true. But, you know, hey, we'll take anything we can get if you're an Astros fan, right? Yeah, a lot more playoff games these days. I, did you pay any heed to those totals as far as playoff? It's To me, it's more interesting to averages, you know, OPS. Well, certainly not from not when you're comparing that era, no. I, I just, I mean, I had to throw that in there just because I, I kind of like the the whole idea. But, no, you, you really can't because too many things have changed. You know, now if you're talking in the last 20 years, perhaps, but uh, of course, you know, Springer now with 17 postseason home runs, and then you have Correa with 14, and then after that, you've got Altuve with 13, Bregman with 11, and, and Beltran with eight. Those are your top five Astros postseason home run hitters now. Also, what was real interesting was Fromber gives up that home run in the second inning that was over George Springer's head. George pissed off because he lost the ball. Maybe he thought he could have jumped and robbed the home run. Didn't appear it was close enough to the fence for him to get up there. But then a guy named Mike Fires starts mocking George Springer. There's a little shot of that. Did you see that? I think I missed that. Oh, you know, I did miss that. Wow. Oh, yeah. he was, you know, George like throws his arms up when he's at the fence and he couldn't find the ball. Well, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, old Mike Fires starts mocking him and George is like, Oh, we're not going to have any of that. Two home runs. And I wonder if Mike Fires is going to show up in game three and be out there for the Astros, uh, potentially clinching against Mike Fires to go to the league championship. Oh, wouldn't that be sweet justice? Oh, and go ahead, Mike Fires. Make George Springer mad again if you want to tomorrow. That's fine. I mean, if that's what it's going to take. to, It's too bad that the Astros can't pack up Dodger Stadium and take it with them for the rest of the postseason, especially for Springer's benefit. But, uh, oh, by the way, how many innings has Mike Fires pitched against the Astros in this series? Uh, zero. Uh, so you got to find one to talk there, Mike. Yeah, the, the A's were doing a bunch of talking before this series, and uh, the Astros have uh, certainly all but silenced them in these first two games. So that is sure good to see. Doesn't look good when you mock the Astros after ratting them out and you've played the Astros 12 games this year and not even been on the mound. Once. Well, that's right. And he hasn't even been a, that good of a pitcher this year. And if the A's do pitch him, it, it's probably 
going to be just because they have to, because they've used up their bullpen two days in a row. And who would have thunk that, Robert? The Astros got to the A's bullpen early in both of these games. Yeah, normally you'd say, well, it's not really what you want. You don't want to get in the A's bullpen. But it, it has certainly worked to perfection for both of these games. Do you like the Connecticut crush? Are we, are we still good with that? Because I know everybody's trying to do Mr. October. Mr. Hey, Mr. October, there's a guy already with that moniker. His name's Reggie Jackson. Go look it up, kids. <laughs> no, I, I like the Connecticut crush. I, I will stick with that. Now, uh, Brian McTaggart, when he was talking about Frommer Valdez, he was tweeting, you know, welcome to Framtober. I kind of like welcome to Frocktober better. What do you think of that, Robert? Hey, well, if we want to have a, an October nickname, let's, let's put it on Frommer. Let's just say Frocktober. Is this the best Astros pitcher going into next year? Should he just start the season as your number? He, can you believe we're at Framber Valdez as the number one? Did you have any idea like seven months ago? <laughs> no, no. I was, well, you probably heard it. You could probably play back some of the podcasts last year when we were talking about Framber that I, I had all but given up on him. I, and, I, and you probably did too, but no, the, he would be the last person I would have thought that he would be not only an effective pitcher, but be the Astros' ace for crying out loud. You know, I know Verlander is out, but look, that you needed a guy to step up. But Framber Valdez was the last person I would have expected to do that. And uh, you know, apparently Brent Strom said back in January that Framber Valdez had matured already, and his confidence was already so much better. That was in January. Now, normally you'd probably kind of raise your eyebrows when somebody says that. But when Brent Strom says it, you have to believe it. And obviously you have to believe it because it's true. Seven innings pitched, two earned runs in this game, zero earned runs. What was it? Five innings, the first series. Is that right? Yeah. Five innings of that uh, relief in the, in the first series. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know wh where that puts his ERA. It's under one, some, somewhere under one at this point in the postseason right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he only gave up those two solo home runs in uh, today's game and just, just pitched a beauty. And, you know, Robert, you, you may have noticed in those last three innings, especially when the Astros you know, took the lead, increased the lead, that Frommer didn't even give the ace batters a chance coming out, coming into an inning to ambush him or to, to sit on a fastball. He was throwing curves the last three innings like crazy, and the ace couldn't hit it. Yeah, he gives up that solo home run to Pender on a terrible pitch in the bottom of the fourth. That was his second home run. Uh, two home runs in this one. So it's pretty remarkable because he'd, he'd given up, you know, just five all year long. And I, I want to get back to that in a second. But that speaks to your point, Stephen, because he, he threw a fastball that was basically middle, you know, right down. I mean, it was down the middle. Oh, yeah, you couldn't miss it. But if you, if you look at the two home runs that he gave up, um, the first one... A uh, little iffy, just like the, uh, it's like some of the ones we saw yesterday. And I, I found it interesting because Dusty Baker, who played for the Dodgers for years, said the ball was definitely flying out of Dodger Stadium during the game, during the telecast. He said, you know, uh, from what he remembers, I, I guess from what he knows, it, it is unseasonably warm. Yeah, it sounds like it because it was in the 90s yesterday. And I assume it was about that today. I didn't get the, the game temperature when it started, but. Um, and of course, in the later innings, I think one thing that helped the pitchers on both sides is the shadows were starting to come across home plate. So it, it obviously makes it tougher to hit, especially the curveball. So that probably even helped uh, Valdez even more in those later innings throwing the curveball. One thing that helped Fromber get a little bit comfortable was the Astros 
got those early runs. And we talked about George Springer had the two-run home run early in the game. And then uh, in the fourth inning, big moment here. Correa knocks in Brantley from third with the grounder to shortstop. Good at bat by Correa. Staying alive, staying alive. Gets the grounder to short. But the bigger deal about that play was Kyle Tucker took off running from first, which got them out of a double play, Steve. And that's a move you can make because of Kyle Tucker's speed. Well, I've always said Kyle Tucker is a very smart base runner as much as he is a fast base runner. So, yeah, that was definitely big. And I even put in my notes at the end of that inning, even when Correa makes an out, he could still get an RBI. I mean, that's how hot the guy is right now. He may not have lit it on fire, but he still came through. He still contributed and uh, did that with that uh, ground at RBI. Do you think that call to to run Tucker right there was a Dusty call? Do I got to give Dusty some credit for that one? Well, you might have to, Robert. I don't know. We we might have to consult with, uh, you know, to, to see who actually made that decision. Uh, but, you know, the Astros are up two games tonight. I, I guess you can, give, you can give Dusty a little bit of love, can't you? Now, he did scare me in the eighth inning when I, I noticed when, when Paredes was pitching that Brooks Rayleigh was warming up. And for a, a split second, I thought, surely you're not going to bring you're not going to bring Brooks Rayleigh in in the ninth if the A's have their top three hitters coming to the plate. Surely not. And uh, no, he brought in Presley. So he almost gave me a heart attack in the eighth inning. But now maybe you have to show Dusty a little bit of love on that play. So the heroes in this game were certainly Frommer and Springer. But we got to give a little bit of love to Anoli Paredes. He's been unreal. Yeah, he really has. And, you know, Baker had said before the game that he probably wouldn't be available. Now, he may have consulted with Brent Strom, and Strom said, oh, he's, he's ready to go if you need him. Uh, and it's a good thing because he came in and he he was still effective. And he has such electric stuff. You know, the, the thing about Paredes you have to watch for is just harnessing that energy. He, he does have a lot of energy. And he, he was tending, I think, to overthrow a little bit when he first came today. And then on that ball that was hit to him yesterday, he almost overran it. So... He's got, you know, a bundle of energy, but hey, the guy came through two days in a row. He got out all nine hitters he's faced in these two games. Right. I mean, I just feel like he he looks like a guy that's got real kind of stuff. And it's great to see because the Astros don't have a lot of explosive stuff in that bullpen. You know, we see what Presley can do when he's on top of his game. And of course, his stuff can be very explosive. But it, it's you don't have Osuna. You're, you're missing some of the real, you know, good arms that you've had in the past. And you know, Paredes stepping up. I mean, I can't even say how big that is. I mean, this guy just—he's come out of nowhere. Well, and and you know, we talked about this yesterday, Robert. Is that if Framber Valdez could give the Astros, if they could stretch it out and give them six, seven innings, boy, what pressure it takes off the bullpen. And that's exactly what Framber Valdez did. He gave you seven innings. He threw over a hundred pitches. And so the bullpen only had to pitch two innings. You had Paredes and you had Presley. So you've got guys in there that are fresh if they have to go in game three. Because, you know, if it's Grinky or Urquidy, you're probably not going to see them pitch six, seven innings. I, I just don't, you know, you, you hope for it. But I'm not going to pin my hopes too much on it in game three. But th- that's exactly your starters both days. You know, it, of course, yesterday they only went five innings, but... Fromber did exactly what you needed to even bolster that bullpen some more. You and I were talking before we started recording. I have not heard, and you said you have not heard, who the Astros' starting pitcher is going to be on on uh, Wednesday. Uh, wh- wh- where are you leaning towards? 
I would go with Urquidy just because I think that he's just been the more effective pitcher. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's what Dusty's going to do. I, you know, but you know, the fact that he has held Grinky back, you know, may tell you something. So he may very well go with Urquidy in game three. Well, we got some breaking news because I, just as you were talking, I went over and checked and just like a couple of minutes ago, I see on Twitter, Brian McTaggart is saying that Granky's having arm troubles and has been seen by a doctor or Keedy will start game three for the Astros. Oh boy. Well, there you go. So that is something to keep an eye on. And that, that may be another reason that he held Grinky back. Maybe he knew something was going on before that. And just, of course, he, he didn't want to tip his hand for it. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on because, you know, whether Grinky, he's been pitching well enough to keep the team in the game. You, you certainly don't want another of your starters to go out. So that is big. That is something we definitely need to pay attention to going forward. Right. And I, and I think as I, you know, if I look at the situation going forward, I'm, I'm not big on Granky pitching in game three. I, I was much more about Urquidy, but you know, you can't be losing Granky. You, you don't, you have no depth that we're going every single day in these playoffs until the world series. I think they're going to have a couple of days off there, but now it's a really critical uh, not only for this series, Stephen, uh, but moving forward, you've got to have a W in this game on Wednesday because then yeah, who's you do, because who, game who's four, who's going to pitch? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it is even more critical. The Astros sweep this series, get it over with. You've got a few days, you know, before the next series, because, yeah, if, if the Astros lose game three, then who's your game four starter at that point? So say you win this next game, that gives you the weekend to get rested maybe Granky gets a little bit more time there and then you can start the same three guys leading off the next series and give Granky another three days off so you you give him you know a good week moving forward and, and maybe you know the arm thing isn't that bad but oh my to get all this way and you, you're finally looking like you're rolling and and lose Granky and like I said I think Granky's the fourth best pitcher on this team but you know in, in this playoffs you can't afford to be three deep and, and the Astros don't have pretty much anybody to go to outside of maybe Christian Javier. He only pitched one inning on Monday. Maybe he can start on Thursday. Yeah. I don't know. He might be able to give you a few innings, but you certainly aren't going to expect him to go six or seven, you know, because he pitched on Monday. So yeah, as we said, we've, we've got to definitely pay attention to that. And uh, you know, the Astros are going to need everybody's arms available so game three is is even more critical for a different reason than the obvious. That also tells me that, you know, if you were even thinking about pitching Javier out of the bullpen on Wednesday, you got to you got to trash that. You can't do it. No, you definitely can't. So we'll just have to, you know, if the Astros can jump on the A's bullpen again, like they did in the first two games, then all the better. But, uh, you know, the, even their pitchers still have to remain in there. And the way the balls have been flying out of Dodger Stadium, I, you know, I, I don't think we're through with this home run derby yet. The other thing is, uh, you know, you're up to nothing. Don't start running victory laps, Astros fans, because, you know, just remember a little playoff series back in 1980 where the Astros were up to nothing and rolling along against the Phillies. And I feel that Philly team, much better team, won a World Series. However, you know, you just can't celebrate in baseball. It's Momentum is the next pitcher, the next the next game and in, in, in baseball playoffs. And, and that's, that's all you're going to have to think about as far as like, let's just get this, this next one. Well, let's even go more recent than that. Don't forget Tampa Bay last year, the Astros were up two games to none 
the Rays came back, tied the series. I mean, the Astros did win the fifth game, but they did allow Tampa back in the series. So that's you know something to keep in mind that you, you're up 2-0, but you've got to finish the job. And what a big thing that would be. And, uh, you know, the Astros could at least have a few days off to get ready for the next series. But, yeah, you, you don't want to take your foot off the throat now. Let's you, you just keep it down there and press down harder in game three. So the Astros playing well again in Dodger Stadium. This has been a theme in recent years. And, and 40 years ago today, Stephen, we had another pretty memorable game at Dodger Stadium with the Astros. They clinched their first National League West title in a one-game playoff against the Dodgers. Al Michaels, Bob Uecker on the ABC National call. Joe Necro became the first Astros pitcher with back-to-back 20-win seasons in that game. Necro had a complete game. A complete game. Remember yeah. those? Complete games, Stephen? Yeah, complete games. They had a lot of those back then. They don't seem to have them now. And what was it, 7-3, to three, I believe, was the final score? Something like that. I, I remember that day so well just because I had a test. I was in college. I had a test. I went and I bombed the test, Robert. Bombed it. And this was, you know, the game had already started. So I come back, I'm going, boy, I hope this isn't an ind- indicative of how the Astros are playing today. So I turned the game on, and I think it was 6-1 to one or 7-1 to one Astros were ahead. So that made me feel, you know, quite a bit better that the Astros went ahead and won that game. And as you may remember, they had played a three-game series with the Dodgers to end the season and lost all three of those games. And that's what forced the playoff, because the Dodgers tied them in the division so they had to have that playoff so the Astros didn't even have momentum going into that playoff game or that 163rd game as it as it were and yet they still managed to win it so yeah gosh it's been 40 years it's hard to believe yeah and a guy named Art Howe had a home run in that game uh, most of you remember Art Howe played with the Astros he also managed the Oakland A's Hey, how about that? He sure did. How ironic. Yeah, you saw him portrayed by Philip Seymour Hoffman in Moneyball in one of the worst uh, one of the worst casting calls I've ever seen. Uh, also, uh, you said that the final score was it seven to three. No, it was seven to one. The Astros won. Oh, was it seven to one? Okay. I had him had a couple extra runs there or something. There was seven to one when I tuned it in. So I think it was it was late in the game. I remember that. It was the first time the Astros made the playoffs in franchise history. And Steven, who scored that one Dodger run? Any guesses? Oh, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I didn't see the whole game. So I, I didn't even see it when it happened. Was it a former Astro, perhaps? I'm asking you the question because the answer is one Johnny B. Baker. Ah, Dusty Baker. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I, I figured there had to be an Astros connection in there somewhere. Yeah, so the Astros... Uh, and, and maybe their biggest win at that point. Well, no doubt. Their biggest win in franchise history. At that point, it certainly was. Yeah, definitely. Anything else on this game, the series moving forward? Uh, anything else you're thinking? Well, just, you know, I'll be honest, Robert. We we didn't give our picks of this series on the podcast. So I can I can publicly announce that I picked the A's in four. So, you know, I, I might as well just keep picking against the Astros because it's working. That that is obviously out the window. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just amazing what the Astros have been doing. But it goes to show that when you have a clean slate in the offseason, I'm sorry, in the postseason, that you can get new life. And the Astros, they probably didn't deserve to be there, but they are, baby. And now that they're here, they're making the most of it. And you can just see the swagger is back. It it's definitely was, was got back in the Twins series. 
and it's definitely been back in the A series. So now, as we said, they just have to keep it going. Let's not let what happened in Philadelphia or let Tampa, let them come back like Tampa Bay did last year. Just nail it and have some days off. And I hope it wasn't just one game in a row for some of the Astros hitters. I mean, they broke out yesterday, but Altuve, uh, Bragman, um, Correa, Guriel, all of them went hitless in this one. Yeah, and it would be nice to get Guriel going again. Boy, if his back could get hot and Correa stays hot and Bregman and, you know, the other guys, it, it just it definitely would be a great thing to watch. So, yeah, we need to get some of these other bats going. You can't depend on the Connecticut crush every single game, can you? No, you know, he, he can't single-handedly win every game, but he can sure help. So, you know, one or two more homers in game three certainly would would not hurt at all. A couple of music legends lost today, and I'm going to mention them, and you're going to find out why in a second. But first off, Houston's own singer-songwriter Johnny Nash passed away at 80 years old. Most of you know his Billboard number one song, I Can See Clearly Now. Uh, yeah. Not only was he born right here in Houston, he passed away here. And Stephen, uh, Johnny Nash, that's the song that he's known for, but you know he was a songwriter. And it's really unusual. We don't have a ton of Houston famous singers. Of course, Beyonce, and we, we have a couple, Kenny Rogers, but... They're out there. I mean, they're, they're spread, they're kind of sprinkled around. But, you know, my favorite Johnny Nash song is, is actually Hold Me Tight. I mean, I do love I Can See Clearly Now, and that was remade in the 90s by Jimmy Cliff, but I, I like Johnny Nash's version better. Hold Me Tight is probably my favorite of his, but yeah, we sure have lost a lot of music icons lately, and I know who you're going to talk about on the next one. Yeah, I can't I can't finish off the show without saying a farewell to one of the greatest rock guitar players who ever joined us on planet Earth. I'll never forget when Van Halen's Jump came out when I was in seventh grade, and for any of you around back then, you know that when you heard this, it was just, it was pure elation. If somebody asked me what rock and roll sounds like, I'd take them to see Van Halen. Their sound was the definition of rock and roll. Eddie's guitar was the signature. And Steven, I know you would have been in college when they blew up. Not sure if Van Halen was in your wheelhouse back then. You know, I, I was kind of hit and miss. I danced the night away. was probably my favorite, but yeah, when jump came out, I was a senior in college actually. And you know, that jump is one of those songs, Robert, that you could hear the first, maybe the first two notes and you know exactly what that song is. I mean, it, it just, uh, in fact, you could probably say that about a lot of Van Halen songs, they're just so identifiable. It wouldn't take long. He's like, Oh, that's a Van Halen song right there. So it jump was one of those, but I think dance the night away. I got to say, that's my, that's my fave. And anybody that could get Valerie Bertinelli to marry them. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I bow down to. You got something there, right? So, boy, what a sad day. What what a sad year it's been. I mean, we've had COVID and we've had so many other crazy things going on, but we sure have lost a lot of music icons this year, you know, over the past few years. And, yeah, two more today. Thought about closing out with Eddie's incredible guitar solo and beat it. Remember, he had that 30 seconds. That's, yes, he uh, did. But I had to go with my personal favorite Van Halen song, and once again, thanks for all the joy you brought us, Eddie. Now, turn up the volume.
You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.